Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. We are David and Tracy Sellers, and like you, we too have made Vows to Keep. So, David, today we're in part four of our series on spiritual gifts. And this has been a great series. We've had a lot of uh, interesting feedback from people listening to the show. We talked about this in our second show, how every person that I've ever met, they've got some natural talent. Oh, for sure. But this doesn't actually make them a Christian. It doesn't mean they have spiritual gifts. People who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior do not have the Spirit of God living in them. David, that's because they don't have that relationship. Therefore, they don't have the gifts that the Spirit of God gives. But here's something to consider also. Does every believer have a gift? God's Word says yes, absolutely. God's Word confirms it in 1 Corinthians 12. It says God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verses 6 and 7. Now, those of us that are Christians, we oftentimes try to measure our growth in the spiritual gifts that we have, and and that's wrong. Your spiritual maturity is actually measured in the display of the fruits of the Spirit, not the gifts. These are the love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Living within your life and marriage with these godly attributes increasing and changing how you respond, how you deal with life. That is the evidence that God is working in you, changing you from the inside out. Each of those fruits of the Spirit that David just listed from Galatians chapter 5 are what we should all strive for, what we should all chase after. These are for every believer, but God gives specific gifts of the Spirit at His own choosing and will in order that we may be able to help each other grow in those fruits of the Spirit. I love the fact that God is all-knowing, and He knows exactly what gift He wants you to have because He knows what His church needs. We don't get to request what gift we want God to give to us. You are given that gift after you repent, after you turn your life to God, but growth is not reflected in the particular spiritual gift you have or which spiritual gift you want. I want to read Romans 12.3. This is from the message version. It says, It's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. And how true is that about spiritual gifts? The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Last week on Vows to Keep Radio, we broke down into understandable parts and pieces some of the gifts that God gives to his people. We went over the gifts of teaching and giving and encouragement, mercy and service. Today, we're going to talk about leadership, about administration, the gift of knowledge and wisdom, gift of faith, and the gift of discernment. So let's start with leadership today, David. Where would the body of Christ be without people in leadership? Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, the people fall. So what exactly is the gift of leadership? Leadership is not just simply taking charge and being the person who's up front calling all the shots. Listen to the definition of leadership in the original Greek for this spiritual gift. It means to lead, to assist, to protect, and to actually care for others. 
It's found in Romans 12.8, and, and that definition almost sounds like more of a supporting role rather than someone who's the my way or the highway type leader. If your spouse has this gift, they most likely base their success on how well they help others succeed in their spiritual walk with Jesus. As a servant leader, they are going to want to lead relationally and with a deep concern for the well-being of those that are in their life. They will go to great lengths even to protect those under their care, and they are the people who are well-equipped to lead others through crisis situations. As a person with this gift, you are someone who's people-oriented. You're a lot more that way than you are task-oriented. This is something that makes the gift of administration and the gift of leadership couple very well in application. It's a bit rare, but a spouse who's a leader coupled with a spouse who's an administrator, when on mission for God, is going to be a very powerful force. So this leads us to the two questions that we're going to ask about every spiritual gift we talk about this week, just like we did last week. The first question is asked in what could be perceived as a negative way. However, it's asked this way to help us to identify, is this a spiritual gift that is in my home? Is it in my wife or is it in me as a husband? First of all, how does this gift negatively affect a marriage? Let's dig into that for just a minute. When a leader and an administrator are married and they're in competition for control, it's going to be a house divided. That's painful, but spiritually it's neutralizing too. First Timothy 3.5, Paul connects leadership to your marriage when he asks, if someone does not know how to lead his own household, how will he care for God's church? A marriage that includes a leader and a home in disarray is a person whose spiritual gift is rendered almost 100% nullified. So here's a tricky question, Tracy. What if the wife in the marriage is the one who has the gift of leadership and the husband doesn't? Yeah, therein lies the rub. But I think the answer might be a little bit more simple than we think. Biblically speaking, the wife is still under her husband's headship, even if she has the gift of leadership. This may be difficult for her because she is a gifted leader, but as she keeps herself under the headship of God and her husband, she's going to find that doesn't nullify her gift. In fact, taking her God-given role as the helpmate of her husband, her gift of leadership can be priceless to him and her family. God calls every husband to lead, but not every husband is gifted in that way. And I know a lot of husbands who aren't leaders, but have that task in their family. But that's something that God can enable you to do. And when you have a wife who's a leader and you're an ally together, she's going to be your greatest asset. Don't step down from this role, man. And the second question that we ask about every spiritual gift that we're going through is, if your spouse has a particular gift, how can you be a part of their growth spiritually? So how does that play out if your spouse has the gift of leadership? Know that if they are really, truly called to this and they are laboring and leading believers, that it is a tireless job caring for other people's souls. They need your support for supporting others. They will fail without you as their spouse upholding them. They will need you to serve alongside them. They may need your encouragement and affirmation. They will need to be continually reminded of the truth from God's word so they can lead to glorify God. Here's another thing about godly gifted leaders. They are visionary typically, and they're less concerned with the details than those with the spiritual gift of administration. So many are actually entrepreneurial in nature, and they're willing to take risks to see that the kingdom of God is advanced so that there's confidence in the Lord as king. So being a leader and having a spouse who's instilling confidence to follow where God is leading is totally empowering. So we go from this gift of leadership to one that is really well accompanied by it, the gift of administration. 
With this gift, the Holy Spirit enables certain Christians to organize, direct, and implement plans to lead others. You probably know someone like this, or maybe this is you. This is the kind of person who has their recipes alphabetized, and next year's Christmas gift recipients already in a file on their computer and next to each name, ideas for what to buy them. You know what I'm talking about. They've got their own ducks in a row, and they have a gift for getting your ducks in a row, too. People with the gift of administration, David, are a huge asset to the church as a whole. Boy, isn't that true? God is not a God of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, So he gives this gift for very specific purposes. The gift of administration is so closely linked to the gift of leadership, but they are different. One is task-oriented and more attentive to details and is all about organization. So leaders need administrators. Gifted leaders are capable of imparting a vision. They set a mission. They can rally the troops, but you know what? They're typically not able to break that into a detailed, executable plan that would succeed. Administrators need leaders. Administrators are capable of building a plan which is detailed enough to succeed, but without a guiding vision from a leader, they tend to just meander in life with a lot of frustration because their gift is unable to be used. And this is just one example of how God has designed us as the body of Christ to work together. We're unable to do it on our own. Now, the Greek word for the spiritual gift of administration is a unique term that actually refers to a shipmaster, someone who's a captain. This literally means someone who steers, someone who rules or governs. And it brings the mental picture of a respected military captain who guides and directs a group of soldiers toward a battlefield. They make the journey on behalf of the leader above them who could never carry out all the tasks that are necessary to get them there. How does this gift negatively affect a marriage? So many marriages with a gifted administrator tend to have a lot of tension around schedules and sequential details. So you got this husband who lives on island time, that would be me. And the wife who's a gifted administrator constantly pushing her family to get in the car. Tension galore. (laughs) Or you have the husband with the gift of administration and the wife with the gift of service, and she wants to take all the time in the world to play out her gift. Many gifted administrators are really effective parents. They keep the daily family stuff moving and in sync, but the same person is going to struggle not to treat their spouse as another child, someone to manage, not someone with whom to manage. And the second question, if your spouse has this gift of administration, how can you, as their partner, as their life partner, be a part of their growth spiritually? You know, I think it starts with forgiving them often and quickly, especially when they try to parent you. And you got to be real about this, but be generous with forgiveness. You'll probably find your spouse is a planner. Everything has its place. If something's out of whack, they might need some help with perspective. Well-developed processes take time to build and to execute well. So encourage them to take the time. Encourage them with how much you value it. Administrators also often take a lot of input from people that are critical of their plans. And sometimes this input comes from people who are uneducated and actually careless. Sometimes, though, the advice is spot on. So being a spouse of an administrator means you need to help them to discern. You got to weigh out the good input from the bad input. David, I think it's in helping your spouse to stay soft for others' input on the how, but laser focus on the why, not being discouraged to lose the overall direction of the why they're doing what they're doing. So let's jump into the third gift we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to be combining actually two of them together a little bit here, knowledge and wisdom. 
In the opening passages of 1 Corinthians, Paul speaks of knowledge and recognizes that the highest form of knowledge among men is a testimony about Christ. The spiritual gift of knowledge is detailed for us in 1 Corinthians 12.8. The gift of knowledge is actually understanding both good and bad in this world by seeing it through the lens of Scripture. A person with this gift is usually someone who's well-versed in the Scriptures and often has a ton committed to memory. They can retain that truth. They can communicate it effectively at the appropriate times. The gift of knowledge allows a believer to relate the Scriptures and particularly the Gospel of Christ to all different aspects of life. And it's awesome to me because, Tracy, you're an example of this in my life. And they can see how the reality, the truth of the gospel is actually applied to the decisions that we as Christians make. Psalm 111.10 shares about the beauty and the fruit of wisdom, this wisdom that we're talking about. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. It begins with knowing who God is. A life of wisdom ultimately results in that praise to God. The Holy Spirit gives some the spiritual gift of wisdom because wisdom runs in lockstep with knowledge, but it's expressed in transformed hearts and lives. So how does this gift negatively affect a marriage? Well, if you're married to a person with this gift and you are not a Christian, (laughs) you're at a disadvantage. I mean, your spouse is getting imparted wisdom from the God of the universe. And inevitably, as someone who's depending upon your own intuition, your own wisdom, you will find yourself in comparison often wrong. And people in this position, in retrospect, have shared with me how frustrating it was before they had accepted the Lord as their own personal Savior and realized their spouse's spiritual gift. James 3.17 says that the wisdom from above is pure and then peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and it's sincere. So this seems like, hey, this should be a really big plus in a marriage, but it also carries a burden in many situations. And that's because they can seem like they're a walking, talking BibleGateway.com. And if you're a husband like me, whose wife has this gift, sometimes it can almost seem a little bit intimidating where you as a husband are trying to spiritually lead your wife and spiritually lead your family. How do I keep up with her kind of pace and her kind of knowledge? And I think a lot of husbands suffer from that. It's like you can never share something their wife doesn't actually know. Many husbands become annoyed with this problem and eventually give up on the concept that they would ever spiritually lead their wife. If your spouse has this gift of knowledge and wisdom, you can still be a part of their spiritual growth. How does that play out? Those with the gift of wisdom have a deep understanding of the holiness of God and ideally, They also have an understanding of their own lack of holiness in their hearts. So if you're married to a person of wisdom, but that person is not humble, that's going to be a key element to work on with them. Because someone with this gift can recognize needs in others as well and often have the compassion and boldness to share that truth with them. But here's the rub. Without humility, they're not able to take from their own life experiences and share what God has taught them through those things. Next, if you want to help them grow spiritually, when your spouse easily recognizes where a decision or action may lead and can warn against those that may be harmful or unfruitful, praise God for that. Yeah, you have to be willing to give them latitude to speak into your family's decisions. And that's something that's going to help them to be encouraged spiritually. You got to praise God with them when they see through the confusion of a situation and can give direction that helps obtain a God-glorifying goal. David, the next gift we're going to talk about today is the gift of faith. 
The gift of faith is rooted in a saving faith. It is a prerequisite, of course. Those with this gift, though, they have a trust and a confidence in God that allows them to live in a very bold way for him. Well, this sounds good. So how could this possibly have a negative effect on marriage? Well, let me explain. I'm talking about the kind of confidence, the kind of faith that the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11 had. This kind of faith enables people to do amazing, superhuman things. Imagine being the wife of Noah, spending 120 years building a huge boat when at the time, rain was non-existent. Now, it seems like Tracy, Noah's wife, wasn't a doubter, but if I came to you with such a step of faith, how would you react? Um, Do I have to answer that? (laughs) How about Abraham, believing he would father a child when his wife's natural ability to do so was completely over? Some of those listening today are past those childbearing years, and you know that without the special gift of faith from God, such things would have been impossible. And this is cool until it's not cool to the doubter in the marriage, right? The Holy Spirit distributes this gift to encourage and build up the body, including your marriage, with a confidence in God. And if you're tired and weary about a prayer that's not been answered to you, the doubter, your spouse with the gift of faith can seem like a fool sometimes and strife is already working in your marriage. How true. So if your spouse has the gift of faith, how can you be a part of them growing spiritually? I think those with the gift of faith trust that God is sovereign. He's good. They take him at his word and put the full weight of their lives in his hands. These are people that actually expect God to move. They're not surprised when he answers a prayer or performs a miracle. This is the person that you will inspire growth in as you affirm their commitment to God above everyone else. And I think in marriage, sometimes this actually feels a little bit scary. We want our spouse to be committed to us first, but allowing them to put God first as it should be, it protects you in so many ways. I don't have time to go into it now, but your growing in faith in God's promises is going to encourage their growing in faith. So keep perspective and be respectful about where they might actually be stronger than you. Now, I do want to give a word of caution about this gift, and I probably could have given cautions about all of them. This gift is not someone who's trying to be a prophet. They are someone who's so convinced of the gospel that God will prevail. They often do far more in the promotion of God's kingdom than some of the most talented and scholarly teachers It's not just about the belief. It's actually about action because of their belief. We're talking about leading by example, not leading by demand. In our ministry of vows to keep, the next gift that we're going to talk about comes into play often. That's the spiritual gift of discernment. That's someone who the Holy Spirit has given the ability to see behind what a person is saying and presenting. And David, you definitely have that. If this is your gifting, you may know the words that someone is speaking our truth or not. You may be able to see what their real need is beyond their perceived need. The Greek word for this gift describes being able to distinguish, discern, judge, or appraise a person, a statement, or a situation. And in 1 Corinthians 12.10, it describes the ability to distinguish between spirits, which to some sounds like a necessary part of today's world and to others sounds pretty mystical. The reality is, though, that Satan does still have a presence in our world. I don't think many Christians would deny that. However, we don't often think about how shrewd and deceptive he can be. Discerners are gifted and necessary for protecting the body of Christ. So let's jump into our question right now. How does this gift negatively affect a marriage? 
I think there are some who would really like to just do their own thing. They like to play their own game, if you will, in life. It's like playing basketball without an opponent. It's just cleaner. It's just easier that way. And to you, having a discerning spouse is like having the news on in your house. This person is aware of the enemy in a way that you're not. And this is annoying when you would rather keep your head in the sand on some things. This gift can also really present challenges when it comes to truths in your own marriage. Sin just gets harder to hide, which feels like it could be good, but if you're trying to hide something from your spouse, it leaves you with a choice. Be open and honest with them and get out in the open, or try to continue to bury yourself in a deeper hole as you try to hide your sin. Try hiding an emotional affair from someone with this gift. I mean, maybe this isn't such a negative thing in your marriage, but on the flip side, try planning a birthday surprise for someone with this gift. That is not easy. So if your spouse has the gift of discernment, David, how can you be a part of their spiritual growth? Discerners tend to be people who like to actually run and hide with their knowledge because they tend to be aware of facts, but they're not always able to address those problems themselves. On the other hand, I've also seen some discerners that are like sirens. I mean, literally declaring panic as they roll through a situation, but it works more like gossip. And sometimes this only results in putting themselves on display. So if your spouse has this gift and you see the results ever turn toward a gossip conversation, you have the responsibility to lovingly call that to their attention. Not to silence their discernment, but to ensure that they have a biblical reaction for the people that are involved as the body of Christ. Let me explore that a little bit more. In Hebrews 5.14, we read this. It says, solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We do badly need people with this gift to be on spiritual solid food, to be spiritually mature. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of discernment to enable certain Christians to clearly recognize and distinguish between the influence of God, the influence of Satan, the influence of the world, and the flesh that we all struggle with. And that could be in any given situation. Your family and the church need people with this gift to warn believers in times of danger, to help keep people from being led astray by false teaching. And you know what? In today's world of media, boy, this is an overwhelming job, but it is so necessary. And to be fair, it's not just the evil side using it. Nowadays, you can actually speak your your opinion to millions of people, and it's really easy to do, you know, with YouTube or social media. Many young Christians have no way to tell someone who is teaching heresy, but delivering it in a very good, eloquent way from a teacher who is seeking to adhere to biblical principles. Like what you heard today on Vows to Keep Radio? Listen to more life-changing broadcasts at VowsToKeep.com. So what out of today's spiritual gifts that we covered stands out to you the most? Was it leadership or administration, that gift of knowledge? How about faith or discernment? Has God gifted you in one of these areas? How about your spouse? Even if your eyes are only open to the negative ways that you see these gifts appearing, we want you to start here. Get down on your knees and thank God for seeing fit to give you your specific gifting. Freely offer that gift before him as a sacrifice of praise, telling God that he can have your life, that he can use that gift that he's given, and he can use it as he sees fit to build up his body, that church. Then ask him to grow you in this gifting, to give you opportunities to expand the borders of what even you might be comfortable with, all for the express purpose of building his kingdom. 
Acknowledge that he doesn't make mistakes and that you can accept your spouse's gift and that you actually want to help them grow in it. Pray that God would give you the heart, even the joy, to not only accept the usage of that gift in your home, but to help expand it, even if it's uncomfortable or difficult for you. Finally, ask God to open your eyes to how you and your spouse could use your gifts in tandem with each other. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.